that happened on the couples retreat. We could talk about gardening. We could talk about taking our medicine. We could talk about trampolines. We could talk about hot tub allergies. Uh, and that's messed up, right? Where's Tim go? Hey, that's messed up, isn't it, brother? It's messed up. We worshipped with the Sevierville Church of Christ uh, this morning, and uh, they had a guest speaker. Their their preacher uh, had his gallbladder taken out and was on the mend uh, that morning. So uh, they had a, a, a nice gentleman uh, come down uh, from over in East Tennessee, and he, he preached to them. Uh, they uh, <clears throat> reminded us this morning, uh, I didn't know that was the actual place that the the Great Smoky Mountain Marriage Retreat was held, and um, uh, but some of ours had gone to it this year in 2014. It was in it was in February 2014, and in this uh, couples retreat, uh, it was awesome. Uh, those who who put that together did a great job, and instead of having a guest speaker come in or having me say something or or Matt say something, or, or, or one of us say something, uh, they showed that video uh, and of the marriage retreat that they went to, and it was just awesome. And you, do you have that copy? Is that your copy, Sammy, or is that Mark's copy? Is it yours copy? See Mark if you want to see that uh, video. Uh, David Shannon is, wow, I would love to have him in a gospel meeting here. That would, he would be awesome. Um, but he's an awesome, awesome speaker, and he did a wonderful job um, uh, talking about marriage. And I, I learned quite a bit, and we all did. We all came away blessed from this weekend, and we had a lot of laughs. We had a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, there are some of you that usually go and you didn't get to go this year. We missed you. Uh, we talked about you. We laughed about you. <laughs> so, uh, But we, we, we did miss you, and we missed all of you, and we hope that... Uh, uh, you could go uh, with us next year. Uh, and if you can't go, it's February the 11th uh, through the 15th. I'm going to be, Lord willing, having surgery around then, uh, so I won't get to go. But Wes Hazel and Glenn Colley are going to be the speakers of this one that's coming up. But I'd love to see some of ours go to that uh, Great Smoky Mountains marriage retreat again and get the video and let's watch it again. <laughs> Next week at the at the uh, our marriage retreat, so our couples retreat. Yeah, Glenn Colley. He's uh, when I was first learning how to preach, I preached one of his sermons. He's a, a great speaker. His father preached for uh, our congregation at uh, uh, Walnut Street. Uh, Gary Colley is his father's name. Who's a wonderful, wonderful speaker, uh, and taught me at. Uh, at Nashville School of Preaching as well, but his son Glenn Colley, and he's a great, 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 great person. His wife writes a lot of things for uh, Christian Woman Magazine and that kind of thing as well. Anyway, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, if you have your handout, and you can look at that as well. You can follow along. I don't have every scripture. I have so many different scriptures. Uh, I did some charts in your handout today rather than putting every scripture down and having to... Uh, staple a book together. But we're starting with 1 Samuel chapter 16. I just want to read verse, verse 12. I think I have verses 12 and 13 in your handout. I just want to read verse 12. Uh, so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, 
with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for he is the one. God was excited about the anointing of David. This is the beginning of our study of King David. God was excited because he knows what's about to, to unfold. He knows what's about to happen. He, he has, he's, he's omniscient. He's, he knows everything. He knows what's going to go on. He's excited about what's going to go on. He sees it unfold. He sees our journey with the children of Israel that we've been journeying on for the last couple of years. It's just taken a, a, a majestic, a heroic, a prophetic, and sometimes very tragic turn. After the death of Saul, David becomes the king of unified Israel. You know, many believe the unbroken line of King David exists today. It's evidenced in the person of Queen Elizabeth, who's on our screen. She's the now Queen of England. It is believed that Great Britain is the lost tribe of Ephraim, and it's believed that the United States is the lost tribe of Manasseh. It is believed that many years ago when Jerusalem was being overrun by the Babylonian army, that Jeremiah the prophet led these tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh to what we now call Scotland, bringing with them the stone of Jacob. That's the stone that Jacob in the wilderness in in Genesis, he laid his head up on for a pillow. This stone is also called the stone of destiny. And it's here in this throne. Built in 1276 by King Edward I, he built this coronation chair that you see in Westminster Abbey around the stone of destiny. And every king or queen since he built this has been crowned king or queen while sitting in this chair. In fact, it's been 61 years. I wasn't alive. Some of you may have been alive. Brother Parker, you were in your early 30s when this happened. 61 years ago, Queen Elizabeth was crowned king. The king, the, she was crowned the Queen of England while sitting in this very chair. It is believed that she is the latest in a long line of rulers sitting on God's throne ruling over God's chosen people, just like King David. Anglo-Israelism, British-Israelism, is used by many, and one being the Worldwide Church of God, to prove that in a premillennial end to the world, Jesus will come back and set up an earthly kingdom. If you want to know more about this and the best biblical way to refute this, read chapter 11 of Foy Wallace's book, God's Prophetic Word, or go to 
www.bible.ca and search David's throne where you can read this great, lengthy, in-depth chapter by Brother Wallace. With ignorance like this perpetuated and allowed to continue, it's easy to see why truth gets lost in the details. Truth gets lost in silly details. And as Paul prophesied in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, it gets lost in endless genealogies. There was a real promise made to David. That promise was fulfilled, and this promise continues to be fulfilled. And let's examine how. As we read in 1 Samuel, David was anointed by Samuel uh, and later uh, after, to be later after Saul's death to be king. God chose David. In fact, that's not what anoint means in the sense of, of David. That, you know, that's what anoint means in the sense of David, uh, to choose to choose someone out. Kings, prophets, and priests, they were chosen, specifically, officially, formally chosen to do or be something. There was a promise that was made to Abraham, excuse me, to Adam and Eve, and the promise was made to Satan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, And I will put an enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This promise about the Messiah, or literally anointed one, was fulfilled. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. This was Jesus Christ, Christ, Christos. It's the Greek version of Messiah. It means anointed one. Jesus was the Christ. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the anointed one. In numerous passages in Genesis, a promise was made to Abraham that from his seed all the earth would be blessed this promise was fulfilled as well in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, and Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. A promise was not made to Saul because he rejected God. Saul didn't get this promise, but a promise was made to David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, God tells King David, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It goes on, 2 Samuel 7, verse 16, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. This promise was made during the life of David's son, David's son, King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 36. And to his son I will give one, one tribe, my servant David, may, that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself, to put my name there. And this promise, this promise to David, this promise to Solomon, it was fulfilled in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He will be great. He will be great. 
And He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give Him the throne of His father David. And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. This is Jesus Christ. This promise was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. The promise of the Messiah was sung in the Psalms. Psalm 89, verses 3 and 4. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David... Your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. And this is not the Queen of England or the kings of England. This is Jesus Christ. This is how that promise was fulfilled. The promise was fulfilled in Matthew 22, verses 41 through 46. The promise of the Anointed One. The promise of the Messiah, the Christ, was made to the prophets, Amos, Isaiah, Micah, Jeremiah, Zechariah. And all these promises were fulfilled by Jesus. Amos chapter, Amos was fulfilled, the, the passage in Amos was fulfilled in Acts chapter 15 verses 16 through 18. The tabernacle of David has been rebuilt because of Jesus Christ. Isaiah, it, that, that passage in Isaiah was fulfilled in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, because Jesus has the key of David, and He has opened the door to salvation. The promise to the prophet Micah was fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, from the city and the line of David came the Christ, came Jesus. Jeremiah, that promise was fulfilled in John chapter 8, Verse 37, when Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate asks, Are you a king then? And Jesus says, You said it. You said that I'm a king. Jesus Himself said that He was a king. Zechariah, it was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. and John chapter 16, verse 32, The one whose sheep was scattered. His sheep was scattered. That one whose sheep was scattered, He prayed for us. John chapter 17, verse 21, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may all be one in us, that the world may know that you sent me. All of the promises made were fulfilled by Jesus. Even David called the Messiah Lord. Matthew 12, verses 41 and 46, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare questioning him anymore. The throne of David is the throne of Jesus. They are forever linked, not in in wood and and stone and tradition, but here in in the Bible, in, in the promises made and in the promises fulfilled. The Messiah was born in the city of David, Luke chapter 12, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus Christ, was of David's seed. Paul wrote to the Romans the the things of God, Romans chapter 1, verse 3, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. 
Paul includes the story of David when he, when he tells the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to our gospel, my gospel. The Messiah has the key of David. And that's amazing. The Messiah, Jesus, has the key of David. He, he says so in Revelation 3, verse 7. And the angel to the church in Philadelphia, I want you to write this, Jesus tells John. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, who is true, he who has the key who David, key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one, no one opens. The key of David is the authority. Jesus has the authority, the right to open and close doors. He has the authority to lay down the conditions of, of acceptance and rejection. Isaiah says, he prophesied, Isaiah 22, Verse 22, the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder so he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. Jesus has the authority. That authority that was prophesied, it's been fulfilled. When the revelation was written, Christ is said to have authority. The King of David. It's not a future tense. It's not something that's going to happen in the future. Jesus had the key of David. It was happening then and it still happens today. He still has the key of David. This settles the matter of is Jesus on his throne or not? Jesus is not coming back to set up an earthly kingdom in, in, in Washington, D.C. or London, England or, or Moscow, Russia or Jerusalem, Israel. He is on the throne of His kingdom right now. Right now. The Messiah sits on David's throne. It's not occupied by the queen. Again, Luke chapter 1, verse 30. The angel said to her, to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call him Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he, Jesus, will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall there will be no end. The, the, the Messiah is the very root of David. He's the very root of David. The root means the descendant. Root means the descendant of David. Notice, please, in figurative language in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, uh, John begins to weep. John is weeping in Revelation 5, verse 5, because there's no one in heaven who's worthy or able to open the seven seals of the scrolls. Revelation 5, verse 5, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah... The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus, the root of David, he has the authority, you see. Revelation 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I, Jesus said, am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. It's been fulfilled, folks. The promise made to David, the promise 
fulfilled in Jesus, this promise, it continues. This promise continues to be fulfilled. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Read with me. Galatians 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I know we've heard this many times, but, but really look at it here. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When you are baptized into Christ, you put Christ on. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We studied in Sevierville this morning about the book of Philemon, and how Philemon owned a slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus no longer was a slave, Onesimus was a brother of Philemon, because we're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, verse 29, then you're Abraham's seed... Notice, the promise continues, if you're Abraham's seed, if you've been baptized into Jesus Christ, if you put Christ on in baptism, then you're heirs according to the promise. That promise is fulfilled every time someone puts Jesus Christ on in baptism. Every time. In Acts chapter 2, Peter uses David as as a hammer and anvil. To prick the hearts of those who heard him. David was a king, but he also was a prophet, the Bible says. Acts chapter 2 and verse 30. Therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. Yeah. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, those who were there had heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, please, I know I'm reading Acts chapter 2, verse 38 again. I know I beat Acts chapter 2, verse 38 into the dirt. I know I wear it out. But listen to me, folks. Notice how the promise continues. Verse 39, for the promise... What promise? The promise to Adam and Eve and to Satan. The promise to Abraham. The promise to David. The promise to Solomon. The promise to Amos. The promise to Isaiah. The promise to Micah. The promise to Jeremiah. The promise to Zechariah. The promise, listen, is to you, to those listening, and to your children, those listening's children, and to all who are afar off. That would be us today. This promise continues. As many as the Lord our God will call, we are, we were called by the gospel. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. Notice with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you, notice, in Christ, and has anointed us, is God. Stay with me. When were you anointed? Were you anointed? 
No, the Bible says Christians are anointed. How are we anointed? When were we anointed? Now, He who established us with you in Christ has anointed us as God. Has anointed us as God. The anointed are those who are officially chosen, aren't they? Isn't that what anointed means? You're officially chosen to be something, to do something. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places where in Christ, notice, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted where? In the Beloved. Notice verse 7, in Him, in Jesus Christ. How do we get into Jesus Christ? We've already read it. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. How do we get our sins forgiven? Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for the promise that you made, the promise that was fulfilled, and the promise that continues. You've fulfilled this promise in my life and in the life of so many here. Thank you for the hope that you've given to those in England and in Russia and in Brazil. And then the Philippines, those in Portland, Portland, Tennessee, those here in this building, thank you so much for that that hope. Thank you for the ability, dear Lord, to worship the King, the King who sits on His throne now. Thank you, dear Lord, for the ability to be a part of that kingdom, to worship that King to bow down before the mighty King who's on His throne. Thank You for the opportunity to obey. If you'd like to obey the Gospel, this opportunity has been provided for you. Won't you come right now as together we stand and sing? Would you live for Jesus and be always